Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. Have you noticed when you go to the mailbox or have to run a quick errand, how clean the air seems and how bright the sun is? Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast, A Wisdom Smack. Join me on the flip because we're going to be looking at how, huh, it's really weird. We're gaining some things. So I want to talk to you about how we're learning to lose to win. I'll see you on the flip. Thank you for joining me today. We're actually going to be talking about, it's an old statement. It's called uh, losing to win. But I think it's really apropos right now. I was able to go out and check my mail and do some things today, and the sun is beautiful. It is so clear, the sky. I mean, it almost looks too perfect, like picturesque, and it arrested my senses because of how much beauty I'm seeing, you know, in the springtime. And if you are listening to this or watching this at the time of recording, we are still in the midst Oh, yes, we're still in the midst of quarantine, lockdown, uh, self-sheltering, social distancing, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of lot of people like me who are trying to obey the rules. I this is going on week number five. Can you believe it? All right. So um, I have just a few little quick wisdom smacks and things to help us to remember and take advantage of this time. And I have been talking about taking advantage of this time to make over yourself, you know, update your personality. I've got some more things that we're going to be talking about in the days to come of some other ideas as I'm getting good feedback from people that are saying, you know, thank you for reminding me. And so today with this whole losing to win, there's something about how when we are forced a lot of times to be um, discomforted that there is something that happens. And I wrote it down this way. I wrote it down that discomfort is the fuel for revolution, meaning that you revolt against what is your norm. So extreme discomfort of being locked in, sheltering in place has caused, I know me and many others, to have to find our new level, find our new norm, find a new way to have structure and to go about our days. But on the other side of that, with every revolution, if you do it right, there comes an evolution. And believe it or not, beauty is one of the main 
exquisite beauty, I should say, is one of the main factors of evolution. We strive to go toward that which is beautiful. And it's my sincere hope that as we continue to do what is needful for the propagation of our species, to stay healthy, to uh, continue to flatten the curve, that nature and our environment will also heal and be able to pronounce even more beauty. Because I, I'm, I'm just here to tell you, it's just, it's beautiful outside. And I'm, I'm looking at um, Twitter where other people are posting pictures. Uh, I saw one guy who was in Victoria, Canada, and he was like, this almost seems unreal. And I was like, yeah. And he just posted a couple of pictures and they, they look better than postcards. And he's like, this is not my back, you know, my, my yard. And being able to see and remember the simple things that can provide so much beauty, I hope that they help to evolve us where we desire to go back to that beauty, that simplistic beauty. But not even that. Another thing about this whole losing our perspective freedoms, if you will, is that we get a chance to renew our respect for the simple beauty. And simple beauty is deep. I've done a podcast talking about the deep end of simplicity and how, um, like Einstein is is noted as saying, uh, basically, it's kind of like the Goldilocks thing that you only want to say, do, or have as much as, as is needed, but never any more or any less. There's another uh, articulation of it that I like a little bit better. And that articulation is to never be wasteful, but never be stingy. And that kind of, to me, helps me to get into this understanding of even in that there is a, a certain amount of something that we have to give up. We, we can't give in to our gluttonous desire to have as much as we want. And we can't give in to our miserly hoarding desire to preserve for a day that might not be guaranteed to us. And so it causes us to help to find this harmonic balance where we're always trying to stay right in that perfect pocket to be able to be satiated as, and satisfied as well as still keeping that hunger to keep going. And that brings me to something else. When you're talking about this whole losing to win, one of the things that I have found in the life that I lead as a solopreneur, solo female out here in this big you know, world, is that I always notice that in every loss is a huge lesson and that I am able to celebrate my wins so much more because the losses bring so many lessons. And not that I'm, you know, trying to go out and, you know, have loss and failure and and those types of things, but I never seem to forget that failure is a tuition that you pay for the success you get. And because of how we have been forced to shelter, forced to stay inside, so many new things are starting to come alive. And, and, and not only new things, but foundational things. That's what I want to say, foundational things. Um, I'll, I'll even go so much as to say that 
this is a beautiful moment of clarity. It really is. When you are getting into your new routine of not being able to have all the excesses, but also being mindful that you have to continue to live your life. You, you can't let yourself go. You got to still exercise and eat and sleep and drink your water and communicate and interact and work and all of those different things. But you find that you're in uh, a, a situation where it has to be minimal, meaning that you don't have uh, all of the stuff that you would normally have. You get to be real creative and you start to get really clear. We start to get really clear. Have you? I hope you've noticed that. Uh, I looked at um, something I was uh, uh, putting together that I'm still working on. And I looked at the part of it that I've been working on in the last week as opposed to the part that I was working on a few weeks ago. And now the part that I was working on a few weeks ago was real convoluted to me now. It's a whole bunch of stuff that looks good and it does do things. But I'm like, hmm, I can do this with not as much. Because now that harmony of you can't, You know, you can't have that racing, running mind trying to keep up with the rat race of society that was on hyperlink. You know, everyone has had to slow down. And because everyone has had to slow down, I can say for myself that that has given me time to be able to not just slow down, but to get concrete and foundational on what matters, on what doesn't matter, on getting clear. And I'm starting to see that, hmm, maybe there are different ways to approach and to look at things. In my meditations, uh, especially especially this last week, shout out to Dr. Uh, Cindy Cork (laughs) for providing me um, with some home light therapies to help with vitamin C and vitamin D and uh, turbo boosting, you know, my mind capacity through uh, light therapy. Dr. Cindy, thank you for that. Uh, My meditation time has just been phenomenal because it has been way, you know, more calm and I'm able to do more with less. My mind isn't all over the place. And so I can I can home in on one thing and get a real good understanding of it so that when I get through, I hit the ground running. And I'm just very, I mean, very thankful for that. But I don't think that I would have been able to get to this point. And I feel like I'm just at the beginning of this point right now. And this is going into my fifth week. And I'm like, dang, it took a whole month of me having to lose, having to give up a lot for me to start noticing these gains and these wins. You know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say this, that now having had time to slow down, to get back into rhythm, with my environment, with my family and my friends, you know, being able to know that I'm going to be talking with people who love me, who share DNA with me, um, because we're in this together. And it's not just an obligatory, oh, hey, (laughs) you know, but it's because we're making the choice 
to interact with each other. That has opened up so many different avenues that I'm really grateful for. And I want to just give you this kind of like quick wisdom smack. It's not going to sound nice, but it is. And I'm going to say this, that if you really start intending, intending to make the best out of this, uh, you'll start to learn and start to see that a lot of stuff that we do doesn't make sense. A lot of stuff we've been doing is for the sake of being busy. I'm going to say that one again. A lot of the stuff that we had been doing was for the sake of being busy, for the sake of justifying our actions, for the sake of appealing to our ego. Yesterday, I read something from um, a business, I don't think it was Business Insider, but it was uh, it was a statement that um, talked about uh, Delta Airlines, which is a huge employer here where I live in the Atlanta area. And Delta uh, made a change. And they said that to enforce social distancing on flights, what they would do is they would start boarding from the back of the plane to the front. And I immediately thought, hmm, the first shall be last and the last shall be first, you know, kind of like that reversal. But it also lent toward them being more effective and efficient to get out of the gate on time and for it to not be a problem with people standing all in the aisles and folks trying to get around them and all of this. And, oh, it was on Twitter. I saw this, sorry. And so a lot of people on Twitter were saying, well, why weren't they always doing it? And I was noticing that based on the responses people were giving, it came down to our needs to feel self-important for those who might want to have much, you know, sitting in the front in first class, uh, wanting to be first, wanting to be on the plane first, even though it probably wouldn't behoove them because they would probably not realize that uh, boarding last would mean that They could take their time and people wouldn't be trying to get past them, walking all over them or whatever. And it uh, that was just one of the many different things that I started seeing. And I started noticing, I was like, you know what? A lot of stuff now, in hindsight, in living in this new world of getting all this clarity, it's like somebody took a big old environmental spray of Windex for my people that are not in the United States, that's a glass cleaner, and just cleaned it all up so that now you can see clearly through and and see all the stuff. And not for nothing. Now, don't don't look at me funny or whatever, but I'm going to say this. Um, I love uh, how the ancients looked at astrology and uh, the movement of the planets. And there uh, are certain attributes that are given to each one of our planets. The first seven, I should say. Well, actually, they they do go up um, to uh, the nine. Uh, but I, I love how they would give them attributes and say that, you know, the planets have this and that. And so based on where the planets are uh, astro, uh, um, astronomically, astrologically, they would have certain meanings. And it was uh, attributed to Saturn, the seventh planet, the, the grandfather, the chronos, the time, that Saturn represents contracts, boundaries, um, uh, um, 
uh, retellings and and not retellings, but where it Saturn makes you open up your books and your ledgers and Saturn puts this amount of pressure on you to kind of like test to see where you are. And that Saturn energy, if you will, uh, was said to be very straight and narrow, very orderly. And I was like, we're in a time of chaos, but we are in the time of Saturn. And I remember at the end of last year, looking at how the planets, the placements of the planets were going to be coming into this year, uh, they were talking about Uranus and Pluto, and then they were talking about uh, how Saturn was going to be moving in, and that the last time that the planets arranged like this, are you ready for this? The last time the planets arranged like this, we had the Great Depression. Now, people were talking about this in November, December of 2019. And I was like, oh, and but now just even looking at what's happening at this particular time of recording, the uh, economists are starting to tell us to brace for uh, economic impacts, uh, possibly worse than the Great Depression. And that does not mean that it's going to be horrific and you're going to lose everything. It's just going to mean that there is going to be a severe correction and a suppression of a lot of superfluous stuff, just like we're talking about now, that there is going to be correcting and there's going to be a lot of what seems to be a loss. But it's kind of like when you take a um, something that has a, a outer fluffiness that is no use to anyone and you shave it away or you trim it down to get to the good stuff, the compacted center that does all the heavy lifting of whatever this thing is, whether it's a piece of meat or um, a uh, piece of fruit with, you know, a pulpy uh, husk on it or whatever it may be. That's kind of like similar of what we're going through. And when we're going through it, it doesn't necessarily feel good. But when you look at the aftermath of it, it is so much better. I said on another podcast, and I, I want to give reference to where I got it from, uh, Morgan Housel of uh, the Collaborative Fund. Um, he talked about the aftermath of what happened between the Great Depression and um, the decade after. So Great Depression, October 1929, well, that's when it hit the United States, but it was a global phenomenon. And between 1929 and 1940, how many things we had uh, invented and technologically advanced ourselves and that it was because all of the superfluous had been stripped away and we were faced with the effective uh, component of the foundational. And so being able to start from there meant that we were able to advance strongly and and have a lot of wins because we weren't duped by the stuff that doesn't matter. We weren't duped by the 80% that only yields 20% of, um, of action. And so I was looking at that. And I was like, wow, a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense. But then there was another thing, too. And the reason why I was talking about the whole Saturnalia uh, influence of um, the planet's alignments is that a lot of folks, including me, possibly including you, are facing the fact that we now have to eat a lot of our failure. And that failure is not just economic. It's not just relationship. It's in the dark crevices. It's in the areas where 
you know you were supposed to be exercising. And now it's really starting to show, especially when you look at the impact of how the virus is affecting certain people as opposed to other people. Or, and this is not to put anyone down, or learning really a lot more about yourself that how good are you when you have to be the person who is uh, supervising you? That's been one of the big things. And I actually had um, a friend ask me to please do a podcast on that. And I'll, I'll possibly do that real soon. But just even finding out that but for the saving grace of having a manager, a supervisor, a boss or whatever, a lot of people are waking up to find out that they did not have or they had lost the ability to self-manage, to self-supervise, to do what you say you're going to do when no one is around to enforce it or make you. And that's been really uh, something for a lot of people, a huge eye opener. Like I said, Saturn is turning and looking and and allowing you to really see, you know, what can withstand the test of, of, of uh, scrutiny and what can't. And so for me, like getting back to the, to the, to the basics of not trying to do the most, you know, of even how I uh, am starting, you know, I'm having to run my business. It's been difficult. It's been like, oh, wow. You know, I was knocked around for about, you know, about three weeks and it took me that long just to even get out of looking at all the obstacles. And I said this the other day, that we have to be careful about that because even in your loss, there is a win, but it's only a win if you remember to not be so taken and so flummoxed or so enamored, if you will, by the obstacles that that's all you see because what you focus on is what you see. And looking back over since being in quarantine, I was like, "Mm, I wasted a little too much time looking at the obstacles and trying to cope with them instead of looking around the obstacles and learning how to eradicate them. And that has been something really powerful. And I'm going to share that with you again today. When you are losing to win, understand that you're also benefiting from the fact that you can no longer cope. You are no longer being able to be propped up to continue hobbling along as usual. Nope. The kickstand is being kicked off and there will be a little tumbling. There will be a little falling. But when you get up, you're going to notice that you can't uh, continue on. You'll have to do away with, eradicate that stuff that oppresses you, those obstacles that make you hop through hoops. And I don't know about you, but this is a kind of like a hallelujah moment when you really think about how How many things, how many obstacles have you just been dealing with? Have you just been trying to keep up with instead of moving them, crumbling them, annihilating them, going through them, around them, over them or under them, but not with them? And that's one of the big ahas that's been happening. I I know for me with the situation that we've been in and it's been it's looked like a loss, but whoa, has it really been something because there are a lot of obstacles that I've tried to make nice and cope with that are not, but that I don't have to deal with that anymore because 
I had to deal with them and and not just coping, but deal with them. And so I want to say this, and this might sound a little harsh, and I put it in my notes, and I was like, do I want to say that? Yes, I do. And that is this. And this was what I, you know, one of my hard talks with myself, and this is a wisdom smack that I got and, you know, came out of some of my meditative time. And that is, instead of trying to keep up grow up. And when I say grow up, this is not about maturity as much as this is a grow up to the next level, a grow up to now that you can start to see clearly, now that you're starting to see what really matters, what really is a benefactor, uh, not benefactor, but um, a, a what, what really is feeding in to your ability to have peace and joy? What is not? A lot of folks are starting to realize that all the puff and fluff, all of the things that we thought we needed to be happy, they are sitting over there taking up space and possibly monthly payments. And clarity is a mug. Clarity, when you get clear, the simple things become so much more uh, to us. We can sit down and not necessarily always have to be externally stimulated. And your mind starts being able to rebound, grow, and uh, go back to its ability to process and give you creative thoughts. There are going to be so many people that emerge from this time with new futures, new careers, new innovations and and creations. It's it's not even going to be funny. And this is something that I, I, I wanted to spend some time on um, before we got out of here. And it's a quote from Warren Buffett (laughs) of all people. And he says, and I've said this, I think on another podcast, but he says, you never know who's swimming naked until the tide goes out. And this is one of those tide going out moments. But you always, always have to be careful when the tide goes out, because when the tide goes out, it moves the ocean with it and you start to see what's underneath. But you got to be careful. Because it also creates what they call rip currents, and rip currents are are deadly if you're not if you're not aware of the cycles. Because while the tide is moving out, there is another cycle where the tide is going to rush back in, and both of them are are times for us to learn and grow. And this is something that when I was looking at um, what we were going to be talking about today, because I'm so excited about you know, these these clarities and these simplicities that are coming. And I thought about the Oracle of Omaha and how simplistic he is. That is this. You're now, if you're really taking this seriously and trying to be wise about what you do and trying to make wise moves, hopefully you're getting to the point where you're starting to realize that this is the opportunity for you to advance yourself, your skills, your life, your way. And there's a thing about advancing that a lot of times no one says it out, just out, but it is expected. And that is this, that when you learn advanced training about yourself, about what you want to do, you no longer find that you have to be so showy and so out there and, and doing the most, as the kids like to say. You learn to be still and to know. And there have been a lot of people who've reached out to me uh, in the last uh, time, little time that we've been uh, quarantining, who've been talking about this very thing, that they have been trying to do their work to figure out, what do I want at this time? 
because now they've even evolved to understand that what you think you want, what you think your calling is, your passion, your volition, it doesn't necessarily always have to be the same throughout your life. It can change. And then that leads to the permission that you can give yourself to start becoming advanced to who am I now? What do I want now? And because we're getting this time to be clear, to stop all the the onslaughts of inputs and outputs that hit us every day, that we're no longer up here at 110, 120% capacity, that now we're starting to come back down. Some people are like, this isn't so bad. This is actually helpful. My heart rate is down. I'm able to do things with intention and clarity and determination. I'm able to commit to a schedule because I'm not being bombarded by other people's egos and wishes. And I'm not always in a reactionary mode. I can be proactive. And so people are, we've been in this long enough for people to start seeing the benefits that the loss is actually a win. I've told y'all this many times when I've talked to you before about, you know, how my grandmother used to deal with her grandkids when they would come over for the weekends. And she would, when we would get too riled up, she would actually say, it's time for you to collect your thoughts. And that's what she would say. And in her living room, I talked about the big aquarium and uh, the paneled walls. So even during the day, she could close those blinds, turn the lights on for the aquarium. And we would sit there on the floor, looking up, watching the um, the fish. I can still see it in my mind's eye. And right next to it was a book uh, case full of books. And this was before we had all of the handhelds. Now, you know, they had the little little handheld gamey things, but she wasn't for that. And so we learned how to sit. We learned how to sit in a meditative stance. And I forever thank her because I thought everybody's grandmother or or, uh, parents did this. Little did I know. And she used to tell us things like, it is no one's responsibility but your own if you're feeling bored. That simply means you're not doing your job to give your mind structure or the ability to be creative. And doing that in our formative years has helped me a lot. And right now, because we're all in this together, everybody around the world is having to be uh, still, is being impacted by our pandemic and um, this quarantine that we're in, you can almost feel a lot of the anxiety and the panic and the pressure and the depression leaving. Now, shout out to my people who are mentally incapacitated in some form or fashion. My heart goes out to you. But if you're in the regular main main bell curve, I'm talking to you. This is a gift. And even though it might seem like a loss, if you really look, you can find a lot of wins. And if you can't, Ask the losses to show you the lessons that they're trying to teach you, and you will be amazed at what you find. So guess what? Yeah, my time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom, with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. Don't forget to check the show notes and like, subscribe, and share. And if there is something that you'd like for me to cover, reach out. And because this is a daily podcast, I'm going to see you tomorrow. Have a great one. Bye.
And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.